This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Uh, this show is usually, or at least has been for the last uh, two months and some change, uh, our, our Rocky podcast. And this is the first week uh, since the beginning in which we will not have... Actually, you know what? We, we did skip a week when I was on vacation. My bad, my bad. But uh, other than that, this is the first time that uh, we haven't had a Rocky podcast uh, in quite a while. So what I'm going to do in this slot and if you've heard other shows, I've mentioned it, which is uh, I want to interview some content creators, some co- podcasters, some people who are doing kind of the stuff that, that I'm doing here on uh, on the Fight Game podcast. And I think, you know, we have a vast uh, wrestling podcast field. There are the uber successful ones that everybody knows about. And then there are smaller ones that are, you know, all about uh, hustling for those ears. And this one included. You know, we, we try we try hard. I, I try to do a lot of different things to get people to listen, um, but also to just, you know, create community. If you've been on the uh, Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, you know what that is all about. Um, but, you know, there are those of us who are out there kind of creating our niche and um, really working hard to uh, kind of be a little bit of a mover and shaker in this field. And so... My first guest is going to be Denise Salcedo, who I met. Actually, I, I sort of followed her originally. Uh, something I think it was a uh, Carlos Toro retweeted something into my feed. Uh, she works for Fightful as well, but she has her own brand, uh, Instinct Culture. And uh, I just was really impressed with what she was doing. And I kind of reached out to Carlos and I was like, "Hey, you know this 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 uh, woman that you work with, Denise. Like, how is she? Is she cool?" He's like, "She's awesome. You should definitely talk to her." So she's our first guest in this, you know, in this uh, influencer interview or this uh, content creator interview segment that that we'll do. So I'm going to do these as much as possible. Hopefully, do them weekly uh, in our normal uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning slot. Uh, and also, uh, you know, we were bringing the Karate Kid franchise to to this podcast, very similar to the way that we did the Rocky podcast. So we'll, we'll sort of do these in between. And the Karate Kid podcast, which I've mentioned with uh, Chris DiPatrio, who's going to help me, I think we're waiting just for the third season of Cobra Kai to announce a date so that we can uh, sort of work backwards so that we know when we can post uh, start posting ours we'll start recording in a few weeks here and we'll get a bunch of them in the can so that once we get those cobra kai uh, season three dates we can sort of fit it in and make sure that by the time cobra kai season three is out like our podcast isn't like two months late and then people forget about that show by then so that's just kind of what we're doing here. Um, and I also wanted to mention one more thing, which is our New Japan uh, G1 challenge that I've been talking about, which is uh, I've been, we did something with the New Japan Cup where we did like a March Madness tournament bracket style. And uh, we had uh, we had some, some prizes. I think we did Amazon gift cards. And for this one, the G1 is a little bit different. Uh, I know a lot of the g1 sort of brackets or challenges that you see out there it's all based on sort of trying to predict the whole thing from the beginning so you know no matter how many nights you have to sort of predict all of the winners of all of those matches the uh, before the ship before the tournament even starts and so i wanted to do something a little bit different and and maybe this is a mistake maybe not but i wanted folks to do it day by day so sort of like sports betting like 
you know, you got to bet the World Series. You got to bet all the games as, you know, right before they start versus just doing this prediction of the winners before, you know, before anything starts. And then you can't change them. You can't go, oh, I see what they're doing here. I need to adjust some of these winners that I picked two months, you know, two weeks ago. And, and it, you know, I didn't have as much fun doing it that way. So I was trying to think of doing it a a different way. And this is going to be more involved. You're definitely going to have to be on your P's and Q's. You're going to have to get your picks in and lock them in. You can't forget, you know, so we're, it's going to be very involved, but hopefully I think it'll be as interesting or maybe more interesting, maybe more fun. And we're going to do all of that. Uh, in the Facebook group. So if you want to get involved and you want to be a part of that, there will be a prize for the, for the person who gets the most winners. Um, yeah, join join the Facebook group. Check out uh, Twitter at Fight Game Media. Check out that first post where there's a link to that group. Uh, but that's going to be the, the first thing that you have to do to get in there. I'll have a post up soon, next day or two, which will kind of describe the rules of, of how to get in our, our little challenge. Uh, something will also be probably retweeting that uh, that post that I put up on Fight Game Media's uh, Twitter and Facebook. We'll also share it to uh, a Facebook page. So if you don't do Twitter and you only do Facebook, you'll have the opportunity there. So, um, you know, that will be sort of your entry. Uh, you have to join the group and you have to uh, help us in the sharing of this so that more people see it. And, you know, if more people want to jump on board, we got I think we got like 15 people who were not in our group. Uh, before uh, the New Japan Cup. So that was awesome because they're all pretty cool. And, you know, I think they dig the the group and they're looking forward to the G1. So just, uh, you know, just be on the lookout. If you're interested, we'll have some stuff up there and uh, it'll it'll be fun. I I think, you know, the G1 during the pandemic is probably not going to be quite what it's been the last several years for those of you who've been trying to keep up daily but doing stuff like this will um you know make it make it hopefully more interesting and more fun for folks so uh that's it from here in the intro uh, i'll be back uh, to close out the show but uh yeah so check it out we'll have uh, we have denise coming up here uh, she's really cool. She's doing a lot of good work, and I think she um, she really again. I'm going to overuse this word hustler because I think a lot of a lot of those of us who do this stuff are, are are we you know we just work really hard at putting up putting this stuff together. And so Denise is one of them. So uh, check it out. My interview with Denise Salcedo. All right, as promised, bringing on Denise Salcedo. Actually, can you pronounce your name? I think I think you'll pronounce it in a much more beautiful way than I than I did. You know what? You actually did a great job. You pronounced it perfectly correct. It is Salcedo, exactly the way you said it. Okay, I didn't know if you spoke it in like this, like really, like. uh, uh, With an accent or whatever, like in an elaborate way. I, well, I mean, I'm I'm half Mexican, but mm-hmm. I don't have I don't speak Spanish, so my accent is not really there. So, um, but anyways, great to have you on. I really appreciate you coming on. When I thought of, um, I wanted to do something around content creators, podcasters, video podcasters, and um, I saw I saw your I saw you on Twitter, and then we have someone who uh, who writes. Who I know a little bit is he, he does boxing for for me, Carlos. And I asked him. I said, "Oh, you know, you have, what? What do you know about Denise?" And he said, "Awesome, do it. Go reach out to her." And so you were first on my list of content creators to kind of talk to. I think it, it, it's kind of cool to introduce you to to our audience, and then at the same time, you know, your followers. You got a nice following. You know, they could they hear us. They may like us too. So kind of a little little bit of a of a little uh, you know back and forth. And I think I, I I mean I hope it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, it's mostly about introducing you and and kind of highlighting you and doing highlighting the things that you're doing uh, with your wrestling stuff. 
Dude, that is so awesome. I'm just so excited that, you know, Carlos, uh, you know, had nothing but good things to say about me. You know, you always need people like that. Are they willing to say good things about you when you're not in the same room as them? So that's pretty awesome. And I'm so excited because I think highlighting creators is just it's a really great way to, you know, like you said, connect your audiences with everybody, whether it's the podcaster, whether it's the person being interviewed, whatever it is. It's just a great way for everybody to grow and for people that are fans of whatever it may be, just to keep connecting with each other absolutely and and you know another thing is um i wanted to also highlight some women who were in this field because most of the people you see talk about wrestling on the internet are majority men but i know that there are women who are fans and there are women who are uh doing podcasts and writing and stuff so you know for a couple of these shows i I do want to focus on the women who are doing this because i think it's i think it's really cool and you know just with women's wrestling taking off uh i think there needs to be more women's voices for for that reason as well Yeah, honestly, it's a thing that it's very much lacking. I can't tell you. I mean, I've been in so many different media rooms and the very I have a background in entertainment and there is a big difference between being in a room covering a junket where all the other hosts are all women. And then I go in and and you know, cover a wrestling event and I'm maybe one of two or Mm -hmm. three women. And even the women that are there are not necessarily, you know, on camera women. They're more, you know, either they're writers or they're photographers, which most of them that I've seen are photographers. So it's cool that we have different mediums, but, you know, specifically focusing on on camera women talking about wrestling, it is very, very rare. And I mean, I could name like less, less than, I could name them all, I think, in under one hand and that's just you know it's kind of cool though in a way because the women that are doing it right now I think are doing it great and so it's just kind of a way to you know get it really started and it's funny because I think part of the issue is that you know for the longest time I wanted to do something with wrestling I, I wanted to talk about wrestling but I never thought that a people would even care what I had to say or b it was just not done before and it, it was just rare and I remember even thinking when I was in college I was you know studying broadcast journalism and I remember saying that I wanted to be an interviewer for WWE and then I thought to myself that's just ridiculous Denise because (laughs) they only hire models and honey you're not a model you don't look like what they would hire back in the day but you know we see the shift um in terms of now they're hiring not just women that are beautiful, of course, but women that are also talented and that they're trained in, you know, in actually being an interviewer. And so I think that the times are changing and it's pretty awesome. So I guess the first question is, because I I do want to go a little bit back to your fandom, which is uh, what got you into wrestling? Like, I, I, I know a lot of the stories uh, when I talk to guys are, are very similar. Oh, you know, it was on TV or my dad was watching it or, you know, but I don't know. Is that is that the same sort of way that you got into it? Like, how did you what, what, what caught your eye about this crazy sport of uh, professional wrestling? So it's somewhat similar. I had an uncle who was obviously a teenager at the time, Attitude Era. I started watching in late 99, uh, early 2000 was when I started becoming a fan. So I was around eight or nine years old. So I've literally been watching wrestling for like more than half my life now. (laughs) And so um, my uncle, he would watch wrestling all the time, was a big time fan. And he got his first job. He was 16 years old, got his first job at a store. So obviously he can't be at home watching Monday Night Raw anymore. So he needed someone to record the shows for him. And so essentially he would have me uh, record the shows for him. So he trained me how to use a uh, VCR, uh, pop in the VHS in there. (laughs) press record so it's kind of like it's so random but that was sort of my first you can say job I mean it was unpaid but it was sort of one of the first things where I actually had a real responsibility and so I would record the shows for him and I would be in there and at first he was like you know just come in press record at a certain time come back in and you know stop recording but I had nothing else to do as a kid so I kind of just sat there and watched and then essentially I would start I would stop recording when the commercials began and then I would start recording when the show picked up 
back back up once mm-hmm. again. So I would sit there and I would watch the shows. And so next thing you know, I was a fan. And I remember my uncle, he would brag to me all the time, like, hey, I'm going to go to a wrestling show. And I'd be like, you know what? Uh, he w- For one of the one that he was doing, it was a UPW, which is Ultimate Pro Wrestling uh-huh, that ran down uh-huh. here in Anaheim, Orange County. And uh, I asked, I was like, can I go? He's like, ask your mom. And I was like, mom, can I go? And she she thought it was harmless, just a day out, get, get the kid <laughs> off my back for a second. And I ended up just like falling in love with it. And then my uncle saw that I had a real passion and he started taking me to all the shows. And that was the cool thing too, is that I grew up a WWE fan, but my uncle would take me to all the independent wrestling shows. So I was like one of the few kid, you know, girls in a PWG audience back when their tickets weren't so expensive. Um, But yeah, uh, so it was pretty cool that he raised me like that. And he took me to like everything. Like if they had Lucha shows at the LA Sports Arena, he would take me to the Lucha shows. And it was just whatever live wrestling promotion event there was here in the LA area, he would take me. That's amazing. That's a great story. Now, do you, okay, does he still follow? Oh yeah, no, he's a diehard. Like he's a diehard. I have I have quite a few diehards in my family, which is sort of strange how that sort of all happened. All right, so DoorDash, everybody who has heard this podcast for the last couple of weeks knows how much I love, love, love DoorDash. I'm just gonna read this ad all the way through the way it was written. You all know how much I love DoorDash, so I don't have to put DoorDash over any more than uh, than I have been. Uh, you counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory, as well as your favorite local restaurants. They're open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and your zero delivery fee on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, BLUEWIRE, 5 bucks off your first order with DoorDash and now back to my interview with Denise. Okay, so what was the main event of the UPW show that was your first show? Oh my god, I don't remember the main event, but I actually remember the first match. And the first match was Chris Sabian. No, 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 no. It was uh, Chris Hero versus uh, versus yeah, it was against versus Sabian. Yeah, mm. that's what it was. That was the first match, and uh, I remember it was the first match we saw, but not the first match on the card because we actually got lost. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. You know, it was during the days where it wasn't. Uh, you know there was no Google it was just like right, you print right. out the map quest and you, you try to find it and it was like in this really like small like tiny like church I think it was and so we had a hard time finding it yeah you you did you dated yourself a little bit with the VCR and the map quest uh. yes <laughs> yes I really did I really did but you know I was a 90s kid so I still got to oh, experience yeah. some of that bad technology yeah yeah okay so you're not only doing wrestling stuff you're you're a host you're an MC, uh and generally are just very comfy from being uh in being in front of the camera like where does that come from where did where did this ability to uh want to be on tv or want to be out in front of an audience come from so I actually wanted to be an actress back in the day, you know, when I thought I had a real talent for acting because I wanted to be the next Nicole Kidman. Well, it didn't work out because I suck as an actress. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to, you know, I, I went to Cal State Fullerton and I was actually studying theater and uh, I wanted to be an actress and I was pursuing it. And then I was just found myself being very, very unhappy. Like I was, I hated it. I hated the teachers. They were, they were mean. I hated the students. They were so bougie and I just hated everything about it and I was not happy anymore and so I just I was in a point in my life you know I'm starting college you know you're very confused at that age and I just remember just thinking like what on earth am I going to do with my life I have no idea what I'm going to do and so one day I was at the school library I was walking down I ended up seeing the the students that were studying to do a news production I remember seeing the the woman she was doing it she was anchoring a newscast and I thought to myself oh my god that's what I want to do like that right there I want to be in front 
front of the camera and I want to be talking about things. And so I went to my counselor and I said, what is this? I have no idea like what this is, but I want to do it. And she's like, oh, it's broadcast journalism. And I was like, yes, that's what I want to do. So I go in there and I swear it was so different. Like I was, I was like one of the top students in all my classes. I was acing all the classes. I understood what the professors were talking about. The professors, the professors were great. They were strict, but they were, you know, awesome. And so I just kind of started going from there. And then that's sort of how I got into, uh, I, I realized I didn't want to do news though, because they, they train you to be a multimedia journalist and, you know, go out and work at these small news stations mm-hmm. in the middle of mm-hmm. nowhere, America. And I thought to myself, it's very hard to go from living to lot from living in Los Angeles, you know, one of the biggest cities to go living in a small station. And I, I couldn't do it. Honestly, I really couldn't. And I had no interest in news. I loved television production and the you know, being in front of a camera, but also producing and behind the camera, but I didn't want to do news. So I started working for small YouTube channels and I started doing entertainment and I just took a complete different route than what was that, that the school that our professors were telling us was the right route. And I feel like, yeah, it's taken me longer to, you know, get those really big, amazing jobs. But at the same time, it's kind of like I've taken a different path. And I think that, you know, working as an entertainment reporter really, really taught me a lot because without that I don't think I would be able to run my own YouTube channel it's just it really is all those small jobs that you work that teach you everything yeah we'll talk about your uh, your brand and your your other stuff in a second but I, I think that's really interesting because I am also a broadcast journalism major uh, but awesome. I liked radio a lot more than I liked television I don't know if it was more comfortable or if I just felt like you know, vocally is where I wanted to be rather than, you know, visually. But I just enjoyed the radio side much more. But I mean, you know, there there is a, um, I guess you can say, you know, when that when that red light comes on and you know that you're on, you got to go. And I, I can see that just inside you going like, oh, this is so exciting. Like, this is something that I want to do. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, I just feel like once you actually try it and like and it's different schools teach it very differently. So when I went into, you know, from my school, they had radio as a separate program. It was like you're a radio, television, film major. And then separately, they separated the broadcast the, you know, the broadcast journalists were under the communications brand along mm-hmm. with the print journalists and stuff like that. So it was very separated. So I never got a chance to indulge in radio. I never saw it as an option. Right, right. Um, okay, so let's talk about um, your brand here a little bit. Instinct culture. What does that mean? What does it mean to you? What do you want that to mean for people when they see it? So I remember when I was brainstorming the name, I was in a very, very frustrated point in my life when this came up. I was just sitting there in my room thinking, God, I need a job. I need to do something I'm not doing. Uh, I f- you, you, you have those moments in life where you feel that you can provide so much more, where you have so much more potential, but people aren't giving you the right opportunities. And then I had heard someone say like this brilliant quote. I don't even remember the quote, but I remember what it meant and the impact that it had on me. And I just remember thinking, I'm tired of waiting for people to see what I want them to see in me because clearly uh, it's not happening. And I thought to myself, I got to create a brand and I got to do something. Uh, There were other hosts that, you know, started that way and I admired what they did so much and I wanted to do the same thing but make it my own. And so I remember brainstorming the name and uh, I decided on Instinct Culture because I, first of all, with the culture part, I just love that word, but Instinct because when you think about what makes you a fan of something, there's really no concrete evidence that says this is what you're going to be a fan of. Like, it really just depends on who you are, what your personality is, and what your instincts drive you to to become a fan of something. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a big wrestling fan, but I'm also this big Taylor Swift fan. Okay, mm-hmm. but why? Those are two polar opposite things. I don't know. It's my my instincts say, this is what I'm a fan of, this is what I love, and this is what I enjoy, and this is what I want to talk about. So so when it comes to that, I almost just think it's something that I just want to touch the viewer personally. Like if you're a wrestling fan, this is who you are. Those are where your instincts lie. So that's where I came up with instinct culture. Is uh, Taylor your dream interview subject? Yes and no. So yes, because yes. <laughs> <But> no, <laughs> because I 
would freak out. And I've interviewed, <laughs> I mean, you can talk about like the biggest celebrities in the world. And I just, I, I would get starstruck. I would be so nervous. I mean, I would have the best time of my life, of course, but I just feel that I would, I would, I would, I would want to meet her as a fan first to get the tears out of the way. Are there other people who are kind of on that Mount Rushmore of people you'd like to interview? They so, don't have to be in wrestling. They could be in, in entertainment as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. A lot of them, it's funny because I actually tend to get more starstruck when I interview wrestlers just because I'm more like a fan of that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I think for me, it would probably be somebody like a Nicole Kidman. Mm -hmm. I think that interviewing somebody like her would be, I mean, just phenomenal. Uh, somebody like a Jennifer Lawrence, like all of those really big actresses that I look up to and that I love, like a Reese Witherspoon too, who I love so much as well. Uh, but in the wrestling space, I mean, obviously, I would love to interview The Rock. I would love to interview John Cena. I feel like I've gotten almost everybody that's like big in wrestling, mm -hmm. but there are the ones that I'm missing on my list. <laughs> and so I would very much like to get them as well. And I'm sure there's a few that I haven't thought about right now, and I'm going to think about them later and be like, dang, I, should, I forgot to say this person. <laughs> so talk about the YouTube channel a little bit, because uh, being a content creator, a lot of this is is about hustling and you've talked about you know getting the the guests that you have but there's also just sort of the marketing of it and the whole thing behind the scenes i know people I, one of my one of my friends who's been on this show before he has a dragon ball channel and it is literally his career like he is bought a house he lives you know he uh, just off of creating youtube videos so i know that you know there is uh, an ability to do that on YouTube, but it's so much work and so much hustle and some of it is luck, but like how, explain that, that whole part of it, uh, w why you enjoy the, the YouTube stuff. Right. So first of all, like anybody who goes into YouTube, like just know that it's you're going to spend a lot of time putting in a lot of work and you're not necessarily going to be making the monetary compensation that you should be making for all the work that you're doing. Because if you're running an entire channel by yourself, I mean, you're doing it all. There is so much behind the scenes work that goes on to creating YouTube videos. I mean, let's just um, let's just focus, for example, just on the interviewing aspect. OK, but interviewing okay that's fine and dandy but how do you get those big guests to come on your show you don't just pop in and say hey can I interview you you giant big star come on my platform no it's not how it works you have to literally start from somewhere and you have to build something to even get to that point you have to build connections with publicists the publicists have to trust you I mean there is so much behind the scenes work that goes into just landing a red carpet opportunity or or landing that big interview or getting on people's good graces so you really have to do a lot of back-end work and really establish relationships with people and make sure that they actually trust you and then the, so you're you're doing that and then you have to go and do the you know you're you don't have anybody writing for you you don't have anybody saying hey Denise ask this do that you don't have any of that so you're working on that to you're the person that's writing your content you're the person that is uh editing your content I mean you're literally doing the job of like so many people, an entire team of people, yeah. and you're just, you just don't get the rewards necessarily right away. And, um, but with that being said, I just feel like because you you have to have the passion. I mean, if you have a passion for creating and just bringing out the content and seeing all your work come out and, you know, come out to life, it, it's just it's so rewarding. There is no better feeling in this world for me than after a job well done. I mean, one of the things that I always feel so thankful for is like, right, let's, let's say I cover some sort of press event let's say I do a red carpet or something I, I mean I you go through so much pressure because you are talking to so many people you have to know everybody you have to be on your you know you have to be on your toes you have to know what you're doing and you have to have confidence and so there's no better feeling than after you've done a great job, whatever it is that you're doing, and you just think to yourself, like, man, I just interviewed all of these people. I, you know, I talked to all of these people, and it's just like this great rush that you get afterwards. But then when you put the video up and you start seeing the responses from fans, from other journalists who pick up your your stories, I mean, it is just so cool. I mean, after I did the, uh, what was it? I think it was the SmackDown carpet. 
the uh-huh. SmackDown anniversary carpet, that one I saw was the most, I mean, every single outlet that is huge was picking up my interviews and I never considered that a possibility. And it was just so cool to click on these articles. And I click on all of them, Garrett. Like I click <laughs> on all of them and I go and I read my name. I try to see, I got to make sure that they link me and all of that stuff. And it was just so awesome. And I remember when, uh, you know, I got my first mention on The Observer. I mean, that was cool. And when I saw myself on F4W, I was like, oh my God, I made it. I remember like, <laughs> I remember like circling with like a little red pen and like screenshotting it and posting it up on Facebook a while back. And I just thought, this is so awesome. Like, that's me. Like, whether it's Instinct Culture, whether it's Denise Salcedo, I just think like that is so cool to see. And so there really is like, once you realize how much work you put into that and people are actually responding to it, I mean, there's no greater feeling. And the thing too is that I didn't always just want to be a host and it took me a while to learn this, but I wanted to be somebody with a vision, somebody that's vision is executed. And I feel, and see, if you go on my channel, you'll notice too that it's not just interviews and it's just not it's just not that because I don't get enough satisfaction from just doing interviews I get satisfaction from creating all types of videos and I just feel that uh, creative satisfaction is what drives me that's awesome and you know what what you just said which is getting the credit that you know you feel that you deserve is is part of the reason why you you, you keep pushing and, and stuff and I think that's a big part of it too like you know your 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 words and you, and your visuals and all that thing, all that stuff. You're doing it for a reason. You're hoping that it catches people's eye, and when it does, and then you do get some credit. That's kind of a little bit of a a, a, a nudge in the in, in your behind to keep moving and keep doing it and keep doing more and, and getting better. So I think that I think that's all really cool. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. NFL is back this weekend. Uh, with the NFL Sunday TV, you can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sat- Sunday afternoon. Sorry, there's there's no sat- there's not much Saturday college football. I, I did mean Sunday. Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWEAR at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFL Sunday TV and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Okay, so, uh, so social media. The ales and the positivity that can come out of social media, I think. Uh, I think women, uh, especially who are out there, who are promoting, who are marketing their stuff, probably get a little bit more of the negativity than uh, than the men who are doing the same thing. Um, but I also imagine that you have figured out a way to kind of stifle some of that negativity. I imagine there's wrestling male wrestling fans trying to mansplain things to you all the time in your Twitter. <laughs> uh, but like, but how do how do you kind of deal with all that stuff or or you know, is it a, a bit of a pain? So I don't get the mansplaining as much on Twitter per se. I think that at this point, I mean, there's always going to be that one bad egg. But I feel at this point that I've gotten to the point where I've, I've, you know, I've appeared on so many podcasts. I've worked with all of these people, um, all men, of course, all men. And I almost feel that because of that, I've sort of gained some sort of respect or some sort of mm-hmm. trust. And here's the number one thing about being a woman in wrestling or in any sort of space where it's male dominated is you always have to be more prepared than anybody else, than anybody else. Okay. Because the worst thing that can happen to you as a woman is being asked a question and you have no answer for it or you answer a really dumb response and that's the main difference if you and I were on a podcast and you said something that was dumb it would be like all right whatever he had a dumb opinion let's move on but if if I a woman were to say something dumb it would be like she's horrible get her off she doesn't know what she's talking about she's just using this for clout or whatever it may be people always tend to be a lot harsher on women and their responses it'll be like you know you'll get the the 
go back to the kitchen sort of thing. Or mm -hmm. the number one thing too is that a lot of men aren't used to hearing women's voices too. So one of the things I always get is, oh, she's so loud or, or oh, I don't like her voice. And I'm like, well, obviously not because I don't sound like what you're used to. I don't mm -hmm. sound like the men that you're constantly hearing talk on the radio. That, uh, it, uh, obviously, we're going to have different voices. And I get that a lot. But in terms of mansplaining, I don't necessarily get that. I do have to be very, very careful, though, in terms of what I post because I can sometimes post a joke and people could take it very literally. So mm -hmm. you, I do have to be very careful with that. I am very careful with the kinds of pictures that I post. And I do think that every woman is allowed to post whatever sort of picture she wants. If she wants to be sexy on Instagram, sure. she is more than welcome to do that. I personally don't do it because, or I try not to. If I do it, I try to do it in a very uh, conservative way. That's just my personal style. But I also just really worry because I know the consequences of that. I know that when you start dressing a certain way, employers look at you differently. Um, men look at you differently. And unfortunately, right now, it's still those are the people that are making those decisions to say whether or not we should hire somebody. And so I have to think to myself, like, okay, I have to be a certain way so that uh, people don't think any less of me. So I do take those extra precautions. And it's unfortunate because, you know, sometimes you want to post a cute photo of yourself, you know, in a crop top or a bikini or whatever. And, uh, you know, the one time that I did, I remember the first comment that I got was somebody calling me a groupie. And I thought to myself, are you serious right now? Like I post a, a peeling picture of myself and right away I'm a groupie just because of this. And you're just disregarding all like the last six years of my career meant nothing. And I post one one uh you know sexy photo and i'm a groupie so it, it is different when you're when you're a girl but i'm just i'm just like you know what these are just people on the internet i'm not gonna let them take away any of my hard work uh i have gotten to the point though where i don't read youtube comments anymore unless they're on my channel and even then i have this new rule now where i used to respond to every single comment i used to mm -hmm. read every single comment on my youtube channel but now when a certain video passes a certain amount of views I don't read the comments anymore because that's when I know that um it's going to be people that are just like, oh, I hate her. She's awful. And I right, mean, right. I've gotten all sorts of comments The hey, your makeup is horrible. You're you're horrible. All of those. So uh, sometimes it's hard, but I've just tried to ignore it. Yeah. The, the dregs. I've, I've heard lots of bad things about YouTube comments in general. But, you know, we there are a lot of people with some low self-esteem. And anytime you see someone you know, doing what they want to do, there's going to be that negativity. And it, it's it's unfortunate, but, you know, we, we all sort of have to deal with it. And, and I'm glad that, that you found your own sort of mechanism to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, these are some quick hitter questions. And uh, you don't, you, you can answer in one word, you can answer in sh uh, a couple different sentences, however you want, but okay. favorite wrestler of all time? Chris Jericho. Oh, and then CM Punk's my second favorite. Wow. That's oh, very third, third's Kurt Angle. Yeah, third's Kurt Angle. So those are my top three. And you just interviewed Jericho not too long ago, right? Well, that one was actually, uh, I think it was like maybe two years ago, but that was mm. on X-Pac 12360 when I was doing the co-hosting with Sean Waltman. Got it. And we had Jericho on the podcast. So that was the only time I ever got to interview him. I haven't been able to interview him one-on-one -on -one just yet, although I'm hoping to. And obviously, I haven't gotten CM Punk yet, but I did get Kurt Angle, and that one was like a bucket list. So that one That's was awesome. really cool for me. Yeah, you got to get Jericho so he can explain uh, losing the uh, Mimosa Mayhem match. Seriously, what did it feel like <laughs> to be in that Mimosa pool? I've I've got to interview Jericho twice with Meltzer, not not on my own. But that, that that's kind of fun because you know when when Meltzer does the interviews, the the wrestlers know kind of the the things that he's interested about. So they you know they kind of geek out about some of the stuff that he likes to talk about. So that that was fun, but. Um, yeah, I've never done one uh, one on one with him, but that that would be cool. That like that's a get. That 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 would be a nice get for your YouTube show. You get him one on one. Hey, how it was, still counts how, even if it's not one on one. <laughs> well, how, but how was uh, how was Sean? Uh, Sean Waltman. Oh my God. So I I cannot put him over enough. I mean, I've got to work with him for three years on X-Pac 1 to 360. That's sort of where I sort of started kicking off a lot of the stuff that I was doing in wrestling. And um, God, so I started off and it. I started off being like 
the fifth co-host, okay? Like yeah, the yeah. most like non-important co-host <laughs> on the staff. And, you know, by the end of it, I was essentially like the main co-host. But the thing is that I would have never gotten that if it wasn't for Sean. Like Sean believed in me on that show when a lot of people behind the scenes did not believe in me on that show and you get those stuff you get the she's never been in WWE she she doesn't fit in and here's the thing is that I've been told like you don't fit in because your voice is different you have too much energy you're too bubbly you don't fit in with this podcast you don't have the WWE name and I was told those things and Sean was the one that fought for me he was the one that called me up and said Denise I want you on the show and he was the one that kept giving me those opportunities and uh, before you, after, I mean, I came in and I would ask a couple of questions. And next thing you knew, I was, you know, helping drive the conversation. I was, you know, helping Sean with notes. I was running social media for the for the podcast. I was mm-hmm. doing the press release and I just started taking on more responsibilities on the show. And I think that that would have never happened without without Sean having faith in me. And I mean, he's just been such a a good person to me that I would never be able to like thank him enough for any of that and he's so kind too like people I don't know if people know this or not but he's literally the nicest and the most honest person like he will he will tell you how he feels about your performance and he obviously he won't like degrade you or anything like he'll pull you aside talk to you privately and tell you like hey this is what I think you need to work on this is what you're doing good at but this is what you need to work on and that's the thing and I remember when I got to do the watch along in WWE he was the one that was like a couple minutes before just like hey Denise like make sure you do this like show them what you do on the podcast you know and stuff like that and when I was trying to get a job with the company he was the one that was you know saying good things about me he was the one that was like you got to give Denise a chance blah 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 and it's it's not easy to find somebody that will vouch for you in that way and you also have to care for that relationship because it, it it's really hard to find somebody that'll do that for you. Yeah, it's it's awesome to have someone who's like that in your corner who believes in you. And, you know, in in especially in this type of field where, you know, Sean has impact, he has influence. He was a, a wrestling star in, you know, one of the biggest times in wrestling history. So, you know, to have someone like that in your corner is awesome and and those kind of relationships that you can make as your uh, career goes on are going to be so clutch. And like but the thing that I like that you said the most is it's not only important for Sean, like it's not only great that Sean is is looking out for you, but the return, which is you have to make sure that you are caring for that friendship too, so that the person feels like they're investing in you as a person and it's and, and that that sort of joy is coming back from you to them. And that makes it worth it, I think. Exactly. Like you can't go out and embarrass the person that's putting you over. You know, you have to be you have to be respectful of that. And I try to you know, I try to be like very professional with whatever it is that I do, because, you know, there's people out there that are saying good things about you. And the la- if you make them look bad, that's like the last thing you want to do. All right. F- uh, favorite wrestling match ever. So my favorite wrestling match ever is uh, Samoa Joe versus Kenta Kabashi. And this was, uh, well, what year was it? I think it was either 2005 or something, but it was in Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like really, really liking that match. And there aren't very many matches that I could watch on repeat over and mm-hmm. over again. And that's definitely one of them that I can watch over and over. Um, I mean, there's been so many great ones, but that's like, that's my answer because I think that one is the one that I, I don't I, see I wasn't that person that right away I had a favorite wrestling match like I, it took me a while to find it and when I did I was like okay this is the one that I'm holding on to and there's also <laughs> matches that are good and they were good at that time but then you go back and you rewatch it and it just doesn't hold up anymore mm-hmm. and that one I've gone back rewatched it and it still holds up yeah I bought that DVD when, when it came out and I had my kids because my kids grew up on WWE. They didn't really know. They, they knew who Samoa Joe was, but they didn't know anything else. They didn't know anything ROH. And I was like, okay, let's watch this match. And they're like, oh, why do I want to watch this match? There's no Jeff Hardy. There's no Rey Mysterio. And I'm like, no, okay, no, there's what you're going to do. You see this 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 big uh, Japanese guy, Kenta Kobashi? He's going to hit Samoa Joe with the, with the palm of his hand 
like so many times. I just want you guys to count how many times he chops Samoa Joe. So that's what they did. That's how I got them to watch it. They just counted all the chops. That is yeah. so cool. And I mean, it looks great, too. So, yeah, no, that's a great match. OK, favorite live wrestling show that you've ever been to? Favorite live wrestling show. Okay, so this one's going to sound like super biased, but it's got to be WrestleMania 35 in New York. And that one was more for sentimental reasons because it was the best, like, weeks. One of the best weekends, maybe the best weekend of my life because WrestleMania 35 was the first time that I covered WWE events on my own channel, like, on my own, um, you know, YouTube channel and all of that. So, you know, I was out there in New York, my favorite city besides Los Angeles, and getting to, like, talk to all these people. So it felt like a really big career thing. And then the, that same night afterwards, my uh, fiancé proposed to me right after that event. So uh, because of that, it's my favorite event because so many great things went into that. Um, but in terms of it being a show... Um, I mean, in terms of the actual show, wasn't like that great, but it's more of just the, it's really more of the sentiment of everything that happened around that show. So that's why I would go with my, that's why, that's why it's my favorite. Great answer. And, and that the, the weekend, I, I was there that weekend too, but I flew home. I think I flew home Sunday morning before WrestleMania oh. and I got back to California, like right when the show started. So I, I was, I was back home and ready to watch the show. But but yeah, it's that weekend so funny, was so fun. Actually, though, I have a funny story for you. So I actually took the F4W bus to um, uh, to to for WrestleMania that day. Oh yeah. And had we not taken that bus, we would have been stranded at oh, the yeah. stadium. Oh yeah. Hence, my fiance would have never done his proposal. So technically, getting those bus <laughs> tickets saved our life. Clutch. That was clutch. <laughs> yes. I, I remember that because uh, I was watching the show with Dave Meltzer. And then I was about to go home, and he's like, hey, I don't think Brian can get back to his hotel. And I was like, okay, so what do you want to do? He's like, well, I may have to do the the WrestleMania recap with you. And I was like, oh, God, I didn't even watch the show thinking that I was going to have to talk about it. So I'm like, okay, let me comb through my notes. Let me make sure. But then then Brian, I think we may have even started recording for like five minutes and he got a text. Okay, Brian's going to do it. You can go. I'm like, okay, cool. Because I was I was so tired from flying back that morning and then watching that long show. Um, but Especially yeah, no, when you're the, not mentally prepared to host yeah. a podcast. Like, it doesn't sound like it's that difficult, but you have to mentally prepare for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So almost done here. A couple, just a couple more things that I wanted to ask you. So you, you mentioned being a fan of like right uh, 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 99, 2000. So the tail end of the Attitude Era is kind of the, how you were brought into wrestling. So if you lost a bet and someone said, all right, for the next five days in a row, the only thing on TV you could watch is pro wrestling. Would you go back in that time and rewatch that stuff? Because obviously it's what made you, made you a fan. Or would there be another time in history that you would go and say, oh, you know, either I watched this and I liked this, or I've never watched this before and I've been dying to watch it. Like what if someone made you watch wrestling for several days in a row and you had to look at one time period, what would that time period be? So that time period for me would be 2005. And it was because that was when I was like at my peak I'm the biggest fan in the whole wide world sort of mentality. And I kind of want to go back and remember what it was that I was so obsessed with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously I have memories of that, but I kind of want to go back and be like, man, like this is what made Denise like addicted. Like this was her peak fandom at this point. So let's just sort of go back and, and see what it was that made her that way. So I would probably go with that. That was also the year that I attended the most wrestling events ever. And I save all my tickets and like I have like a chunk that are just like 2005, 2005, 2005. For some reason, that was just the year of events. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So uh, obviously in today's day and age, in our current and present time, we're not going to wrestling shows. We are in a pandemic. What is your thoughts of how the companies um, have uh, gone on with their product during the pandemic? Are you enjoying these shows like before when there were fans do you think that you know it's it's not as it's not as exciting with with the way that they're producing their tv right now what's your thoughts on the current scene 
Definitely. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that it's the greatest, but I'm also not going to lie and say that I haven't gotten used to it. I feel that I have gotten used to not having people on there, but I do really miss it, obviously. And it's just changed so much. I don't feel... It's weird. I'm watching more wrestling on TV, though, now than I was pre-COVID. And I think that's because I'm not out doing stuff. So it's I've actually upped my intake in the wrestling that I'm watching per week, where I feel like prior I was missing more shows because I was working or whatever. And now I have this time to watch it. But I do think that for WWE, the Thunderdome helped out tremendously. I, you know, I know that they have a lot of piped in audience sounds and I know some people didn't like it, but I think that it helped out. Uh, AEW, I'm, I'm so happy that they are bringing in like small chunks of people because it's just cool to sort of see people in wrestling events again, but I don't necessarily think it's made like a big difference in me watching it. I almost feel like sometimes you do need that piped in audience sound just to give the show more ambience. In terms of impact, I, they have like, I don't think they have any, they don't have anybody like, you know, doing the, you know, on the sidelines or anything like that. I yeah. think that they should definitely add something like that because that was one of the things that I noticed that I felt was still missing when I was watching the show was that obviously I missed that like fan interaction with their show. And I just like, I, it sucks, like everything that's going on right now. And it sucks that I have literally not been to a live event since before March. So I just can't wait for things to get back to normal. And I think that in terms of how they've been handling everything, I mean, it's the best you can do, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, you know, they, they could have been, I think they could have been a little bit more creative uh, earlier, but they probably didn't know, you know, how long is it going to be like this? But I think if you kind of kept up with the current events and what was going on, you probably knew we were in for a long ride here. But I, I was very happy to see the Thunder, Thunderdome, too, because as much as I was hating the dark arenas and the no sound, like I, I thought the Thunder the Thunderdome was a really good solution for them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so last two questions. I call these the quarantine questions. Ooh, yay. <laughs> so obviously we've all been stuck in our house for the most part, and you are someone who sounds like you'd like to get out to events, you like to get out and, and, and especially for your, your stuff with YouTube, you know, being out and reporting on stuff or interviewing people, it, it's probably uh, better for you that, that you actually go out and, and do it rather than through something like this, what we're doing. But at the same time, uh, you know, we've all sort of, we've all sort of used different mechanisms to help us get through this time period because it's not natural for us to just be inside all of the time. Do you have a tip or two for the listeners about what you have done to sort of stay sane through this time period? Yes, I've worked. That's it. I've literally <laughs> just worked. I, I just d- d- like. Oh, I forgot the word. I'm like, I just like drove myself mad on my YouTube channel and I've been producing way more content than I normally would have. I mean, I think before a month, like pre-COVID, I was averaging between like 15 to 20 videos a month. Now I'm averaging 30 to 34 videos a month. So it doesn't sound like a drastic difference, but it kind of is. And so um, I've just been like, I got to publish more videos. Like now I I just don't feel good. Like I don't feel good if I'm not working. If I'm not doing a podcast or I'm not working on my YouTube channel, I just feel like I'm wasting my life. So I was like, I just got to work and do something. And when I'm not working, I, you know, I binge watch shows and then I turn it into a review video. So it kind of, it kind of is a little bit of work. Um, but and then besides that, like that's honestly all I've done. I try to spend time with my grandparents since I'm here with them as well. And that's about it. Like I haven't really done anything else. But to stay sane, I try to keep busy. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good one. Staying busy. I'm very much the same way as I need to stay busy or else you start thinking about stuff and, you know, maybe your your mood changes. I know for some, you know, they they they. they the, the the idea of constantly working probably gives them anxiety, but for me, working is kind of what does help me stay sane too. So you and I are similar on that. Yes, yes, I agree one hundred percent. Okay, so last one from me here. Now you can answer this in any way that you want. I'm going to give you a couple options, but. 
because again we're in in the quarantine um if you have a recommendation for all or just one or how many ever you want give me a book that you've read a movie or, or show that you've watched a podcast that you've listened to or a music album that you've listened to during this quarantine time that you want more people to know about. All right, cool. I got it. You might have to remember me all the other ones. Remind okay, me of the other yeah. ones, but I got it. Okay, I'm going to start off with albums. So albums, I'm definitely going to have to recommend Taylor Swift's Folklore. It literally saved 2020. Uh, Lana Del Rey's Norman fucking Rockwell is probably one of the greatest albums I've ever listened to. Then there's Lord's Melodrama, which I think, oh my God, mm. it's, I'm obsessed with it. And I'm so excited for Lord's new music. And then uh, Billie Eilish's album, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? I love that album too. So those are those I would say are the quarantine albums you have to listen to. So you're you're big into, into music then. Pop oh, music yes. is, is kind of your thing. Pop music is my thing, and I talk about it so much on my YouTube channel. So I yes, that's all me. Uh, TV shows, same thing. Uh, I'm gonna recommend the most recent one that I watched was Away on Netflix with Hilary Swank, which I just loved. Thought that one was great. Um, I'm gonna recommend anything that has Reese Witherspoon in it, whether it's Morning Show, Big Little Lies, or Little Fires Everywhere. If you're a diehard romantic, Normal People on Hulu is also fantastic. And um, oh my God, there's so many shows that I watch. All right, so those are just the ones that are off the top of my head. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then book. Anything by Colleen Hoover. I've read like three of her books this quarantine, which I should be reading a lot more. But anything that's by Colleen Hoover, because I'm really into the young adult, like tragic love stories. So mm-hmm. I'm all there for that. Uh, uh, what was the podcast? Podcast. 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 I listen to everything. I mean, I listen to I listen to the F4W podcast. I listen to uh, what Fightful does. I listen to what Wrestle Talk does. And I only listen to wrestling podcasts. <laughs> and then I listen to one podcast that is called Beauty and the Vlog and that one is just about YouTube and YouTube content creation and that's literally it when it comes to my podcasting listening listens and was there one more am I missing one no, I I put movies and and TV oh yeah okay okay good because movies I don't think I have um I don't think I've been watching anything really I'm sure I did but I just forgot um but yeah I've been watching more TV shows Got it. Got it. Okay. So yeah, you hit all of them. Nice job. Um, Okay. So where can people find your work uh, if they want to check you out and also, you know, stuff like social media, where can they find you? So definitely youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Just type in Denise Salcedo on YouTube or Google or whatever, and I'll pop up. My channel will pop up. Go on there. I do wrestling stuff. I do pop culture stuff, everything like TV news, pop music news, stuff like that and then every now and then I pull up like a random video that I'll do and then um, obviously interviews as well and oh, and live streams too I've been doing a lot of live streams as well and then Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo awesome alright well you were the first person of this new sort of content creator uh, style interview that I wanted to do and I really appreciate you coming on um, you know best of luck with everything obviously you know now that uh, I, I, I'm I'm following you on Twitter and YouTube and everything, so I'll be able to see all the stuff you're doing. But awesome stuff, and you know, good luck, and I want to see all of your uh, successes. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you virtually, and hopefully we can meet in person someday at an event or something. Yeah, at a WrestleMania when <laughs> yes. waiting in the rain. Well, if it happens in L.A., hopefully, if things go up as planned. I know, I know. All right, so, uh, so yeah, so thank you very much for coming on. All right, I want to thank Denise for hanging out with us and being our first interview with uh, the content creator influencer uh, segments that uh, I wanted to do this uh, this fall. Um, and you know, I really appreciated her coming on. She, like I said, she's you. You heard her talk about how many YouTube videos she's doing right now. Like she's working hard. So um, check her stuff out if you can. I've subscribed to her YouTube channel. I'm following her on Twitter. She's got Instagram and stuff too. So yes, definitely check her out. I think she's going to be um, someone who's you know who's making her way in this in this interesting landscape of uh, media in with pro wrestling. Um, so we'll be back on Thursday night, Friday morning with myself and John LaRocca talking about the NXT and AW shows 
and uh, whatever else kind of is, is in the news. I'm, I'm kind of interested in his thoughts on, even though uh, Ryan Pike and I already talked about it, but All Out, I know John, his style of wrestling was uh, not really what that show was about, probably save for the last two matches. But um, just kind of want his thoughts also on the Matt Hardy situation and, you know, really just, it's, you know, AEW's about a year under their belt now as far as uh, being on TNT. And, uh, you know, they're, they, they, they're, they're, there are successes and then there are small failures. Like I think there are things that happen on that show that I would consider a small failure that I hope they learn from. And, you know, overall, you just want to keep people safe because without the, uh, the wrestlers, then, you know, you don't really got much uh, for wrestling company. Um, but okay, so we will uh we will be back like i said and for denise i'm double g we'll see you when we see you peace out all right last thing before we get out of here which is bet online the wait is over football is back like i mentioned it is back this week you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from games, spreads, and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses don't forget to use promo code bluewire at betonline.ag that's bluewire all one word bet online your online sports book experts